Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Welcome to Start, Scale, Succeed. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Clark-Martin, the founder of Please and Thank You, which is a beautiful brand that started in 2020. And I met Sarah, um, I was at the trade fair, Spring Fair, and her beautiful packaging caught my eye. And it's an amazing brand that has updated what you think of soaps. And I'm sure that there's more and more to come, that it won't just be soaps, but Sarah is going to tell us all about that. And we're going to talk about her business, how she started. We're going to talk about trade fairs. We're going to talk about wholesale. But Sarah, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's really good to be here. Can you explain what your business is and how you started? Yep. So um, I am one of the founders of Please and Thank You, which is a luxury hand soap brand founded on the principle of one for one. So for every one you buy, we donate another. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about that uh, in a moment. So yeah, it kind of came from two two sides, really. Um, it was a pandemic baby, lockdown 2020 <laughs> baby. Um, as I think, you know, lots of people had had kind of, I mean, I say lots of people had time on their hands. I was in the midst of homeschooling hell. Um, so there was always that. So I think I was looking for yeah. something else to kind of, you know, divert my attention from quadratic equations. A distraction. What have you, yeah. <laughs> Um, and basically, I was talking to a long, long-standing kind of um, friend, kind of colleague I've worked with in the past, and we were moaning about homeschooling and lockdown and being confined. And then, kind of, went actually, do you know what? We're quite lucky. We've got lovely houses. We've got an income stream. You know, we've got a job, um, mm-hmm. and it would be really good to give something back. Yeah. So that's kind of what it was founded on is can we create something? Um, I've worked in the beauty industry for gosh, a long time, nearly. 20 years, 15, 20 years, um, and have done lots of work for other people. um, But actually, you know, let's try and create something ourselves. So then the other side of it, was that we've, we've sort of realised we've been long-standing um, lovers of the humble bar soap, but um, the bar soaps I was buying were, to kind of put it kindly, a little bit granny-like um, and yeah. like nice beauty products. Um, and so we sort of going, well, do you know what? I reckon I can probably set out to find a really, really gorgeous bar soap. Um, so that's what we did. So it's it's kind of a luxury luxury bar soap. It was founded on kind of hand washing because we were washing our hands, you know, a hundred times yeah. a day. But it's you can use it anywhere. Um, yeah, gorgeous kind of and, and sort of ticks all the boxes from you know what customers want um, nowadays: vegan, cruelty free, sustainably packaged, British made, and looks gorgeous as well so yeah the two sides trying to give something back and um reinventing bar soap and before you started it um had you wanted to go into business before had did you have this urge before or was it really having that not time during covid but what you know what what made it this year or last year you know what made you decide now is the time 
Well, I left corporate life about six years ago um, to set up as a as a consultant um, working in the in the beauty industry, but I, and, and and have kind of happily sort of ticked along um, for the last mm-hmm. sort of five or six years. I think it was the pandemic um, that, as I say, I think it is quite funny because the time I didn't really feel like I had lots of time. I had lots of people around me, which yeah. to you know, <laughs> children and husbands shouting into the phone. Um, but yeah, I think it was the pandemic that that kind of made us want to do something tangible um, and sort of changed our outlook on things and made us realize actually we wanted to give something back um, and do something good. And if can you go into a bit more detail about the giving something back? What's that part of the business? Well, we, we kind of debated it long and hard at the beginning about how we do it. And it just sort of seemed like the one for one mechanic was like really easy to understand, really tangible. If, you know, if we sold 10, we would give away 10. If we sold 10,000, we'd give away 10,000 yeah. almost. There was a, a kind of a purpose to grow in the business that was sort of beyond profit. I know that sounds a bit kind of trite, but um, so what we what we decided to do was rather than sort of create anything ourselves, that we would partner with somebody doing it brilliantly already. And mm-hmm. I came across the Hygiene Bank, um, which are a national yeah. charity, um, a bit like a food bank, but for hygiene products. Um, and I just really loved what they were doing. It's quite local. So although it's a national charity, that this kind of um, centres run locally, so I've started with the one in Nottingham and we've, we've worked with some in London as well. Um, and But the, the, the passion is to kind of try and, you know, spread that out across the across the country as the business grows. But I just really like the fact that we can kind of donate the soaps to them and then they donate them to women's refuges and shelters and, and help all sorts of people in hygiene poverty. And I think kind of raising the profile a little bit of hygiene poverty because it's often the first thing to go when people are struggling. And yeah. Actually, um, you know, I love beauty products, but it is about self-worth and, and sort of goes, you know, beyond just cleanliness as well. So just loved what they were doing. So they've become like a firm partner um, in, in the business now. No, I mean, such a worthwhile cause as well, especially during that time. And like you say, if, if, if hygiene cleanliness is one of the first things to go when you're in that situation, you know, your self-worth doesn't feel, you know, would not feel great. But then for you to be able to do that and achieve, be able to give soap, you know, once one person buys it, then that's really good um, purpose to have. And you mentioned a business partner. Are you, so there's two of you in the business. There's three of us in the business. So um, kind of two more silent partners um, who are cheering from the sidelines, um, probably now. Um, yeah, and, and then and then me. So um, yeah, we've kind of uh, slightly different backgrounds, um, but have worked together and have been friends for quite a long time. Great. And um, so, uh, like I said, I met you at the Autumn Fair trade fair, not Spring Fair. You you'd set up the business in 2020. So and had so you're at trade fairs in 2021 what made you decide to do trade fairs relatively soon i suppose in your in your journey well, it's a really interesting question. We we scraped in to 2020 last year. So we kicked, oh, right, okay. I think we kicked the project off in April. And with my consultancy clients, I usually say it's a year to get stock on shelf because of testing and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. we delivered it in just over six months, which I think people might have died in the process, but we did it. <laughs> but our, our ambition at Christmas last year, um, lofty as it was, was to go direct to consumer. So we've got a great website. Um, mm-hmm. We poured some money into uh, social media marketing. 
Um, and we had a really good Christmas, um, but then it dropped off, if I'm honest. And when you start stop pouring money into the Facebook black hole, um, yeah. the sales don't come through kind of to the same degree. And it was difficult to kind of make that work as a new brand. Um, but what did happen, which was a really happy accident, and it's kind of how we ended up at the trade show, is throughout this year, so kind of the front half of this year, we were being approached by gorgeous independent retailers the kind I love shopping in you know the stores that you kind of go into and buy gifts and and what have you can we stock your soap in our store and it's kind of thinking actually do you know what I love you know really love to support small businesses love that kind of independent store vibe um it feels a bit bad my my background's boots but kind of not really wanting to put it into kind of boots it's more of a a luxury sort of gifting product is it more like a liberties rather than a boots that's yeah. exactly yeah. But but being approached by these retailers and we sort of accidentally took on, you know, quite a few. And then we were talking, going, Well, how do we sort of, you know, make that bigger? And it was a trade show. Well, that's mm-hmm. a good idea. So that that was why we and then again we literally decided probably in mm, july i think to do the september trade show i mean there's a tip probably give yourself a bit more time than that but um yeah (laughs) so so it sort of it it kind of felt like a little bit of a of a yeah a bit of a punt we weren't really sure how it would go and but it was just a way to sort of lean into some of the success we'd had kind of like accidentally um and there was more there and um yeah it sort of turns out there was it was it was a really good show for us and and you had a great position as well i remember when i saw you um you had a very good location when you're doing a trade show then and i know this this was your first one how far in advance would you say would you have liked you know would you say to decide to sign up for it and and go ahead and do it I mean, I do work good, well, under pressure. So I don't, I don't kind of the type, you know, you sort of start planning it, but actually it always ends up. I think, I mean, we painted our stand, which worked really well. We got, you know, massive boards printed. They're actually just behind me still. Yeah. Um, and obviously you kind of pay a premium for getting that done super quickly. So yeah. I would I would kind of say, you know, three months, sort of plan out the bits that you need to buy. I was doing late night trips to H and M home to buy to, yeah. you know, stuff to put on the table and tablecloths and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I would say kind of give yourself a good three months. And the great thing is actually and, and I'm not promoting Autumn Fair, but they were really, really good. They kind of send through checklists of things that you might need. So it's all it's all kind of there. Um and you've got like a bit of a of a an itinerary to sort of I mean ultimately you can only get in the day before to do it all but yeah. it certainly helps to have it all ready and, and having it sort of thought through so you sort of know where everything's going um yeah it certainly felt like we did it very quickly and what kind of tips would you give people to who are thinking about um exhibiting at a trade fair um i would say definitely kind of uh, the, the paint seemed to, and it sounds like a really daft thing but we painted our walls um bright orange which is kind of one of our brand colors and i think it, in a sort of sea of beautiful but kind of quite paired back natural neutral brand, yeah it, it really stood out so i think kind of getting your branding obviously you don't paint it bright orange if your branding's you know super neutral because actually there were a couple of stores that were beautifully done but you know kind of more natural so really sort of go for it on your brand you can you know we we got these giant the biggest size boards you can possibly get printed they Mm -hmm. weren't extortionate to do and they made a massive impact and it allowed people to kind of understand what the key 
like the key points on the brand were as they kind of wandered wandered past we had yeah. loads of stock out as well for people to kind of smell because one of the things is the fragrances are super beautiful really modern yeah. really premium and if the people were like the bisto kids as they kind of walked past going oh what's what's that smell and the kind of that <laughs> over. um so yeah and, and i would say the other my other tip would be don't try and run it on your own it's a long four yeah. days i mean i think i consumed about 50 calories and that was in diet coke because you just don't even have time to pop off and get lunch when i was when i was joined by people it was it was super helpful to kind of have two of you on the stand to um yeah to just relieve each other <laughs> every so often and I, and i think as well from a from a customer you know from the other side from being i was with a client of mine and having that experience that if you are busy, if one of you is busy with with a customer, the other person isn't left kind of waiting and hanging around. They can get some information. They can have a look at the, at the stock. They can hear your story, you know, rather than because, you know, a lot of people, they'll go to a fair and it might be half a day or a day. So, they're you know, they're on a, you know, they've got a lot to that they need to get through. So, they don't want to be hanging around a stand. And um, so, you're saying making sure that your brand stands out, having the stock, um making sure that you've got enough stock for people to to look at and try and try if it, if that's applicable what would you say you know from a logistics point of view what would be the things that you would think about or recommend um so i had i um have got a very lovely friend with a van <laughs> just <to tell> <laughs> Um, but the, the actual physical logistics, luckily he's done trade shows before, so kind of got, you know, where you need to be parked. But And again, it's all laid out for you, but having never done it before, yeah. I, I would say you can't really do it. If, if, you know, if you've got stuff to take, you can't do it with a car. You need to do it with a with a van. Um, so hiring a little, you know, transit van, getting somebody to drive it if you've got a fair amount of, I mean, if you've got a tiny mm-hmm. stand, you, you possibly could do um but yeah and, and just kind of you know writing everything down i had checklists before during you know and, and just sort of really yeah to plan it all out and getting everything in the right the right place um and then yeah getting in early getting it all kind of set up so that you're ready to go on the on the first morning and did people place did you were you taking orders electronically or were you taking orders manually on on the day i'm just kind of interested because sometimes the wi-fi is not that great in those kind of situations so how did you manage from an order taking point of view yeah we i took orders manually and then uh invoiced people when we've got a, a kind of credit card payment on the invoice that then people could pay and we could get the stock sort of sent straight out but i would say trying to get orders on the day is brilliant i think it, you know the customers at, at trade fairs tend to fall into two categories people that are kind of looking and then want to gather everything and then take mm-hmm. it away and, and kind of place orders when they get home um, and people who and I think this is brilliant I was like if I ran a store I'd love to do this like I've literally got this much space to fill and I'm going to do it by the end of the day so I don't have to do yeah. it when I get home so we got a lot of orders at the show which was incredible um because actually the second biggest job is the follow-up when you get back when when yeah. you start a little bit but it's you know and people people are really engaged at the trade show but then trying to keep that sort of momentum up afterwards that that was quite new to me because I'm not I'm not you know, I'm not a natural salesperson, but but sort of closing leads down and sort of trying to kind of follow up. One of the guys actually gave me a really good tip about kind of putting a number next to people you talk to. So like, a you know, a, t- a 10 means it's quite likely they're going to place an order versus somebody. That's who just, great. I like the packaging because it, you know, looks like something 
I don't know, my dad drew or something, you know, yeah. it, it, it kind of helps you sort of rank your, your leads as well. Yeah. So you can go for your tens first and then work your way um, down the list. Yes. And I think as well, because your price point, you retail, you retail it for 10 pounds, the soaps yeah. are 10 pounds, which is a great, it's a great pickup price point. So if people were shopping for gifts or anything like that, it's, it's an easier decision to make than something that's a, you know a lot more expensive and and like I said I think from being someone that was a customer at the at the fair your packaging looked amazing and really stood out so like I said I think your number one tip in terms of making sure that your brand stands out in the sea of other brands is yeah. something that's really important and I think also you know yes it's only ten pounds but it is ten pounds for a soap which isn't cheap you can buy soap for a pound um, so yeah. quickly recognizing who are your customers? And we know that not everybody would be. And actually we had some lovely conversations where people were kind of going, oh, I love it, but my customers wouldn't buy. You know, they will they will not spend more than four pounds for a soap, for example. But we have got lots of, we sort of, you know, had a look at the market before we we kind of did this is there, there is a market for, for 10 pound soaps. And that that's the sort of, they were, the, they were the people we were looking to speak to. So I think kind of being able to identify who you would like to speak to. And, uh, you know, we were kind of laughing because sort of saying it's basically stores that sell, you know, £30 candles. You can buy a candle for a fiver, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's the sort of nice one. So it's sort of trying to find your customer base amongst all the people you're talking to and going, yeah, that's, that's somebody I could see, you know, they could see the soap in the store. I could see the soap in the store. Yeah. A happy, a happy relationship. And did you have any kind of questions that helped you weed that out? Um, you know, to, to, was there any that you... I, I, people, people kind of either went like probably by day four, by day four, you were probably like, right. Okay. Forget, forget the chit chat. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. You know, and it's always nice to talk to people. It was quite funny. <laughs> Somebody came over and said, Oh, we don't, you know, I'm a clothes store and we don't sell soap, but she actually was from a village where my parents live and uh, she placed an order there. And then I think it was maybe a pity order, but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> so, so no, I, th- I think people, because of the price point, I mean, you know, people who get the one for one, people who get the fact yeah, that the purpose. I can make a five pound soap, but I would have to compromise on ingredients and I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to be really premium fragrance blends, you know, and it, it you know, for me it is, it is worth it because it's such a lovely little moment of luxury when you're kind of washing your hands and it's for those people. But some people will just go, how much, you know, kind yeah. of, my dad maybe um, <laughs> and, and there, there you kind of go yeah brilliant you know no, no problem and, and kind of move on and, and speak to the next person and then you mentioned a little bit there a minute ago about research and your position and in, in the market how long did you spend doing that research and what did you do I mean as a consultant who does this for a living I should probably say a thorough six months um but no we did it quite quickly but yeah mm-hmm. we do. I've, I've got a bit of a process that I kind of go through and it it starts with trying to find that customer and really targeting it and building the brand for them so we, we mm-hmm. did that we did a lot of competitor research and um, I love competitor research because it's an excuse to buy lots of products and try them um but you know we're, we're really clear who our competitor set are it's not a one pound soap you know it's yeah it's kind of the um you know beautiful soaps we were really inspired by brands like Soapsmith, uh, gorgeous like British London um, based brand, Klaus Porto, which is a gorgeous like Portuguese German um, design led soap. So brands, you know, that are roughly sort of 12 pounds a price mm-hmm. point. Um, so we did the, the kind of competitor. We also, you know, I mean, I kind of laugh about soap. So when I was at Boots, I looked after this this category well, many, many years ago and used to write many 
papers about the decline of bar soaps and how everybody was switching to hand wash. And now I'm reading more and more. And it was in the Times yeah. at the weekend about how bar soaps are on the increase again because the sustainability creds, there's no plastic. Yeah. Um, you know, it lasts, it does last, you know, quite a long time. It's vegan. It's got natural ingredients in it. So it's been that, you know, I've, I've sort of obviously, because of the work I do, sort of have sort of read lots of papers about how especially you know people who are into beauty products are kind of turning back to bar soaps as well so yeah we did we did do our homework um but as i say we were sort of doing things on the fly um and in amongst other stuff so um yes we did do the research no, <laughs> and I think as well, like you say, in terms from a trend point of view, things come round, don't they? And it was like the charcoal soaps that were becoming really popular, and then, and then obviously we had COVID, which was would have it was on a trend on a on a you know a rising trend anyway. But then that obviously escalated it. Yeah. And um, what do you feel have been your milestones so far? I mean, launch was a huge milestone. I've, I've literally, because we're, we're coming up to, I think it was the 28th of November, we had our first sale. So I've screenshotted that because we were kind of trying to, like the website got to go live. So many bits that had to kind of, that was a huge, a huge milestone. I think, you know, from doing it consultancy for other people, I kind of get involved in bits, but this was like, you know, who's the whole process. It's, yeah. it's literally everything. Um, so I would say that I think um, I, I was, uh, the biggest milestones for me, if I'm really honest, are um, every time we do a drop off to the hygiene bank. I think that mm. feels like I've got to sit when you know the madness is kind of in amongst the madness going, I'm, I'm dropping off a huge box of soap. That feels like a milestone. I would love that to be a weekly drop off, you know, yeah. if, if it could be of, of thousands of soaps. And um, so that feels huge. And um, we were featured in The Stylist last week. Um, Amazing. Their kind of curated drop of nine things to buy this week. So anytime we sort of get a bit of a bit of press, you know that that's especially when it sort of accidentally come about. Um, that was that was huge. But um, yeah, I think I think it's it, isn't it. It's kind of you know we were like laughing, going Vogue would be an incredible milestone. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not entirely sure how many sales it would drive, but just personally, it would be huge. But I think the PR is quite really nice to have. Mm-hmm that sort of other people are kind of, you know, recognizing. Our first, actually, I've saved it. Um, our first sort of um, email from a customer who said, I just want to say, I think what you're doing is incredible. You know, I don't buy much, but when I do buy, I really want it to go to businesses like yours. Oh, that's lovely. Wow, that feels that feels really good. Um, yeah, so quite quite a lot, really. I think the mm-hmm. last has gone in a bit of a blur. but um, And then, you know, things like the trade show was a huge milestone. It felt... You know, it's it's hard to keep the energy going. I think when it's mm-hmm. just you, or, or you know, it's a kind of small business. But things like trade fairs and getting out, especially with you know, when we do a lot of stuff from behind Zoom, uh, from, from behind a computer, getting out and talking to people felt yeah. huge. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, we've got I've got a couple of sort of local stores around where I live, dropping the soaps off to them. So lo- loads. It's been a real kind of roller coaster of a year, but um, lots lots to be proud of. I think. And obviously you're, you know, you've, you've done this for a long time from a consultancy point of view and, but doing it yourself and, you know, having such responsibility and making it happen. What do you think are the things that you either surprised you or that you've learned along the way? We, we joke that it's like we've had a mini MBA <laughs> from beginning to end, like, oh my goodness, there is, there's a lot involved. So, um, 
What have I learned? I mean, things about the depths of Facebook that I just didn't ever think I needed to know. Um, that's a bit of a dark art. So all the kind of social media side. Um, I think kind of like resourcefulness, you know, that, that actually you can you can deliver quite a lot if you're sort yeah. of, you know, going, ah, how do I how do I get this done? You know, whether it's kind of doing it yourself, calling in favors, Google. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I think I think you know um, the kind of business of selling for me. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of managed brands in my past for you know bigger kind of companies, but it's not quite like having to do everything yourself. Like literally, you know, order kind of fulfillment through to marketing, through to selling, yeah. through to you know chase the deliveries. Where it's every, a sh- you know everything, everything. You know, it is sort of when something goes wrong, you kind of look left and right and go, oh, that, that would be me. Ah, I know, I know. Who could I delegate this to? Oh, no one. <laughs> like, I've got a very good 11-year-old, but I'm not entirely sure she's up for that. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. But. And is there anything that you think, looking back, that you would have done differently? Uh, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? So we, we sort of, we, we have this, we have had a conversation to this effect we, we were a little bit naive in starting a brand from scratch, direct to consumer with a great brand, some great kind of assets. So it looked really lovely, but not a lot of spend behind it in terms of getting it out there. So launching mm-hmm. direct to consumer as a product brand from scratch. So even like when I was doing stuff like three or four years ago, you could get great kind of organic buildup on Instagram you just can't now that's just we work really hard and and we get one or two followers you know a week kind of thing um so so i you know could have said kind of um i would have probably gone with the retail arm first but then you know we learned quite a lot and we refined our message doing it sort of direct consumer and we did you know we got we got a sort of a decent amount of sales at first um, but yeah, I think I'd underestimated how hard it was to start a product brand direct consumer from scratch with with limited, you know, marketing investment. And how, did you do much of a build up before you launched? Because there's some brands that I've spoken to before, and they're they're talking about the brand for a year before they do, you know, before they actually launch. They've built an audience, or were you very much? No, we basically we did like a week, I think. Right. Okay. Really have time to, and I, I don't know. It's funny if I was having this debate with a client last week. Is you know, I think the thought that somebody's hanging onto your Instagram account, waiting for your brand to, it's just, there's just so much out there. I think there's the danger that it kind of gets lost. And I think it's, you know, it's different if you've got something to say, but building a product brand a year in advance, I, I'm not sure you, sh- you, that that's the right way to do it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you need to kind of get scale in some way. Um, and you can't do that on, on social media now without paying a whole lot of money. Yeah. And, and obviously you don't want to pay until you've got a product there to, for them to to buy to and so that you convert though I think I mean some people I think between three and six months but like you say you're not talking every day you're just bringing people into your world and it depends whether you want to be very visible and some people don't you know and want to share because a lot of people are interested in the journey and then sometimes things take longer you think okay this is going to be launched in three months but then depending on where you're getting the product it's like four months five months six months and you're like okay launch has moved out again how many times can I say the same thing yeah. but um but yeah, I know what you mean in terms of trying to build that audience before you before you launch, if you're going to go the direct consumer route. And what advice would you give to anyone wanting to start up their own business? 
Oh, I'd say, do you know what? If you think there's a kernel of an idea there and you you've just go for it. I, I just think it's such an amazing thing to do. And it is like, you know, you start getting a little bit kind of into like motivational quotes, but it's kind of, you know, you learn from everything yeah. and that's sort of, you know, obviously managing the risk as you go. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think kind of being kind of carefully, carefully ambitious, but, but I think, you know, if you've got the kernel of an idea and you can sort of see a route through and you're passionate about it and prepared to put in the graft, because I think that's something, you know, if there's one thing that you need is to kind of dust yourself off every day, you know, because for every retailer who goes, can I launch your soap? You've sort of emailed another that you love and they go, no, thank you, not today. So, you, yeah. just, you know, it's, it is quite up and down. So I think having a bit of, well, a lot of, tenacity and and graft and grit about it um and yeah i i I think it's it's there's so many you know that that was the autumn fair really opened my eyes to loads of people doing you know independent stores and different brands doing you know there's such an incredible sort of wealth of talent i think actually lockdown made people reassess stuff didn't they and and there's loads of ideas have come out of lockdown i think that people have had a bit of time to reassess what's important and and sort of put that into into play and and go for it so so one of the reasons people don't start a business one is sometimes time um and the other is they're not sure about the costs or how you know they have maybe an idea that they can't afford to do it or whatever that might be and i know startup costs can vary widely because you can spend 20 grand on a website or you can spend a grand and a half you know you can spend 500 pounds on a logo and branding or you can spend you know thousands so could you share a little bit about how you know your startup costs and the investment that you've had to um that you've put into the brand yeah i I think it's um and this is always quite a tricky one and and you know, you you kind of read all sorts of things about it. Start, it, you know, it 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 costs a million quid to start a brand. You know, all that sort of stuff. And and ours didn't, um, <laughs> but it but it does. You know, you do need to go in with eyes open about what it's going to start, what it's going to take to start up your business. So I think that the examples I would give is when I started my consultancy, I didn't. I literally had a laptop, and that's because it's it's me and my time. So mm-hmm. obviously, you need to value your time, and that's that's a point for later. But. I think obviously a product brand, you need to be clear, like we can't start a product brand without buying stock and we can't get stock without having a design. So I think, you know, we, we were quite lucky and because I've been working in the industry for quite a long time and my kind of partners in it, we've got some great contacts. So we pulled in a lot of favours. So we yeah. didn't pay, you know, for, for, or certainly we didn't pay kind of market rate for stuff. Um, but so I would just sort of chunk up what it costs to get your business off the ground and what's important to you. So we've got a brilliant designer friend who is very, very expensive, but, um, you know, kind of uh, is a friend of ours. So so we because the, the design for us was super duper important. Yeah. Um, but we knew that we didn't have to, you know, factor that in as a as a hard cost. Um, and then, you know, the same for kind of um, website build and, and what have you. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's just kind of being clear what what you're going to have to pay pound notes out for um, and, and what you can kind of call in favours to do. But but yeah, uh, and what your business needs, I guess, because every business is different, isn't it? Yeah. So I suppose, like you say, it's like knowing your fundamentals and what your basic costs need to be for you to for you to function as a brand. Yeah, and I think the, the other thing for me is is and it's again kind of listening to other podcasts on this is so for example we 
built into our business model logistics costs because I didn't want to be packing samples and mm-hmm. sending them out because actually if I'm doing that I can't be promoting the business um, and doing other things that that kind of my skills lend themselves to so we um, work with a brilliant brilliant kind of logistics company and warehouse but then we've had to build that in to, to your costs so we obviously make less profit as a mm-hmm. result but it allows us to scale so you know when we were getting you know when we do get big orders it's a touch of a button and, and somebody else sort of sorts it versus you know you having to kind of go and pack thousands of soap so um yeah I, th- I think it's kind of you know what can you build into your business model what do you actually need to pay for what can you do yourself and there may be bits that you you know you sort of find yourself with a skill for you know your social media and actually doing it but you know be aware that it's it's quite labor intensive and and actually you know you might need to pull people in for it so yeah every every business is different i think and it's it's tricky to put a number on it which i know is annoying but um because we've sort of as i say you know the stock was a hard cost but we've kind of pulled in a lot of favors elsewhere and built yeah. stuff into the, the business model in other places thank you for that and what would you say to kind of finish to finish off then what can you share about what are your hopes and goals for the brand um, I'd just like to sell more so we can give more away. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that, you know, that that ultimately does drive what we're what we're doing. Um the dream is to get into a kind of top London department store, um, which is the sort of I would kind of call it like the mothership of all those beautiful little small independent stores that kind of, you know, aspire to be like be like that. I think that would give us a sort of an element of kudos and, and hopefully that that may happen soon. Um, and then, you know, the, the retailer bit has been a really sort of happy accident. I love talking to, I think maybe my days of, because I've been a Boots buyer, but actually small independent stores, it's their business. So you talk yeah. to them, and they're looking to stock. So more more of those would be amazing. And, and you know, kind of across the country, um, sort of build, build those independent retailers. And then I think, you know, continue to build the direct consumer business as well um harder but but hopefully will sort of come in in time um but they would be the the four things i think and do you think you'll expand outside soaps or can you share any kind of new products that you might bring out very top secret but i think uh, (laughs) no i'll I'll, um we we launched with seven fragrances um kind of inspired by the british isles so we've got a kind of breezy at the beach which is like northumberland coast where i grew up so we've got lots of other fragrances in development um that will be coming next year which is really exciting um and then yeah a couple of things that are under wraps at the moment but yeah lots of exciting stuff on the on the plant actually just off like stage right but i'm not going to show you (laughs) (laughs) well i am i'm very much looking forward to seeing those and and smelling those new fragrances and seeing you at what trade fairs are you going to be at um next year we're just talking about going to spring fair because autumn Mm -hmm. fair and then um oh gosh is it top drawer uh, top draw everybody was saying you should be at top yeah. draw you should be at top draw so yes. yeah and if people are people want to shop the brand and see your instagram and everything else where can they find you so website is please and thank you all written out uk, and our instagram is at please and thank you soap all written out and we're on facebook as well thank you very much for joining me again and for those that are listening you've been listening to start scale succeed and if you enjoyed it then i'd love for you to leave a review and subscribe you can find me nicole higgins at the buying retail coach dot com on my website or at the buying retail coach on instagram and thank you very much Music.